0: Church, welcome back to the Midweek Podcast. It's a joy to be here with you today. Uh, Brent and I are here to give you a little bit of information about what you can expect this coming Sunday, uh, as well as just hopefully uh, giving you a little bit of uh, clarity about uh, our current circumstance. So uh, Brent, why don't you go ahead and lead us off in giving us um, just some answers to some common questions we're, we're getting.
1: Yeah, you know, all those details, a lot of those details we're going to not talk about, but be alluding to is the regathering services document. You know, we posted the video last week. Uh, That was in the, it will be in the week to week again this week. You can go to our website and see all the details about how we're gathering back together this Sunday at nine o'clock and 11 o'clock. Of course, there'll be no groups, no uh, kids care. It'll be a family service, pre-K. Everybody's welcome into the service uh, for those that it's wise to attend, but but yeah, let me nail down. We'll. I'll we'll talk about the first two, and you can, and you can uh, share about the third one. Uh, but one of the questions that we've had pretty consistently has been, you know, why why are we signing up for uh, the service? Why do we ask folks to sign up for whether they're going to attend the nine o'clock service, the eleven o'clock service, and and even if they're going to stay home and watch the uh, the YouTube live stream at eleven o'clock, um, why why sign up for those three? And and the reason is that we are uh, going to maintain the. The state guidelines that that the governor put out for us, which limits us to a capacity of 25%. And again, we're blessed to have a larger sanctuary, which means uh, as we measured out uh, the proper social distancing, that six-foot barrier, uh, we found that we're limited in our space, even though our sanctuary can hold over 600 people, uh, we're limited to basically about 60 uh, family units so a family unit could be one person it could be six people that sign up uh, so basically around hundred and uh, by the 25% rule uh, you know there can be about 165 people uh, attend or 60 units whatever one comes first so as our people have been so faithful to sign up it's been so helpful so far uh, we've been able to see how many units are signed up for the nine o'clock service and the eleven o'clock service uh, and this has given us a good idea also of what percentage of our people at this point are. are uh, it's wise for, for them to attend or not. Uh, and that's going to help us to even in the coming weeks to know, hey, do we need to add a, a third service? Is it wise to add a third service? Because even when uh, we enter into phase two as a state and that raises the capacity limit to 50%, we're still going to maintain these guidelines that still limit us to 60 different units. Uh, so, again, this is so helpful for us to know how to, how many to prepare for uh, and to know, do we need to shut a service down and shift people to, to one of the other services? Uh, or do we need to consider in the coming weeks uh, before we enter into phase three and many of the social distance guidelines are, are lifted, uh, do we need to add a third service at some point? So, again, what a helpful thing to be able to sign up with. Uh, and then the second thing that a question we've had is about face masks, uh, and one of the recommendations we have that we want to uh, apply and be above reproach in is to to ask you to wear a face mask. That's simply something that covers your nose and your and your mouth, uh, and you can wear that. And you're supposed to wear that. We're supposed to wear those into the sanctuary. So so from basically from your car when you get out of your car, uh, all the way into your seat. If you would wear that, you're when you get to your seat, you're not moving around any longer. You can you can take that off. Uh, If you desire. Uh, And then after the end of the service, uh, we'll we'll put our mask back on and uh, and take off. And that will allow, especially at the nine o'clock service, that will allow time for our uh, trained cleaning team. Uh, to be able to clean up between and and wipe down the sanctuary, even though we do want to point out as a reminder, the nine o'clock service, uh, you'll see bulletins set out in all the odd rows. That's the not the not the peculiar rows, but the first, that <laughs> third, fifth, seventh row, all the way on back. And, uh, and then in the 11 o'clock service, everybody will sit, you'll see bulletins in the even rows, uh, two, four, six, back from front to back. That way, nobody, even though there's two different services, nobody will be sitting in, in that spot that you're sitting in on Sunday except for yourself. Uh, but, but anyway, uh, so that's something that's good to keep in mind. Uh, And with our masks that we wear, uh, if you happen to get there and forget that day, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, 20 or so masks at each of the foyer entrances in. So you'll be able to put a mask on. And of course, we're not going to ask for those masks back. Congratulations. That's your mask (laughs) now. Uh, You can uh, uh, wash it and bring it with you the next Sunday. That's that's uh, that's your (laughs) mask now. And uh, we'll exit, of course, we'll exit uh, out the front exits. We'll have one designated entrance, one designated exit. That's another one of those requirements that we're following. But, Stephen, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what we're going to do later this week, what you're going to put out for us to give us maybe a better visual of what to expect this Sunday?
0: Yeah, so there's different kinds of learners, right? There's like auditory learners and there's visual learners and all those kind of things. So we're, we're providing a, a little bit of a variety of uh, of ways to be able to show you exactly what service is going to look like on Sunday morning. So you, obviously right here, we're giving you a bunch of information. It's a lot to take in. So we're going to give you a visual as well. So we're going to record a video. Uh, we'll put out a video on uh, sometime on Thursday. Um, it's going to give you kind of what it looks like to come to worship on Sunday morning uh, if you choose to do so. So um so be looking for that it'll give you a good just kind of walk through and some examples of what not to do and some examples <laughs> of of what to do um and uh so so please be looking for that that will be an opportunity for you to just kind of put it in in perspective of what it'll actually look like um because right now we're just giving you a bunch of information it may be hard for you to picture so uh, we'll give you that as well um and speaking of, of video things um like we mentioned before we are going to to live stream this uh, at 11 o'clock on Sundays. Um, we are figuring out the technology for that right now and, and working out ways that you'll be able to, to participate in that way. If you think that that's the wisest choice for you and, and it very well may be. Um, and so we do want you to be able to engage with that um, this way. And so like, like we've already encouraged you, please go ahead and sign up and let us know if you want to attend that way and, and participate that way. Um, we want to be able to, to serve you well in that capacity. So um, that'll be streaming to Facebook and to YouTube as well, mm. um, both live, both at the same time. And so um, be looking for notifications for that. If you can, probably the best way for you to to get a hold of that. Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna send that out to you on Sunday morning and and um, and give you ways to to click on a link and be there. Um, but you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, hit the little bell that way you get a notification uh, when we go live, it'll just pop up and you can you can click on it and go. Um, same for Facebook, just make sure you're following us and you should get a notification that we're we've gone live. So look for those things on Sunday morning at 11. So um, speaking of Sunday, um, we are um, continuing through John. And so um, Brent, if you could, uh, maybe just give us a little bit of of info about where we're going to be and and why we're there.
1: Yeah, so we're going to be uh, picking back up in John chapter eight, verse twelve. And as a matter of fact, if somebody has their Bible around them, and if not, that's all right. When you get to a Bible, you'll be able to to read at the bottom of your Bible a little note on why we're skipping over John chapter seven, verse fifty three through eight eleven. And this is just uh, you know the Bible I have in front of me right here. As you read the bottom, you'll see a little. Uh, a little note uh, right at the end of verse 52, and you go down to the bottom, and, and you see it says in verse 53, the uh, little note there, says, later manuscripts add the story of the adulterous woman, uh, numbering it as John 7, 53 through 8, 11, and a few things that we want to say there, and, and actually, originally, I'd planned to make this a whole sermon that we were going to walk through together, but with this great medium that we have here of using the podcast. We wanted to do that and and didn't think it was the wisest thing to make that our, our welcome back sermon <laughs> service that we have. <laughs> uh, and uh, so a few things that I want to definitely make sure are important to understand there is our Scripture. Scripture is God-breathed, and it has been faithfully preserved. And the way that God has preserved His Word uh, is is truly beautiful. And the wealth of manuscripts that we have uh, and just like I read there from uh, the Bible, the uh, English Bible I had in front of me, uh, it, it gave that information. There's no conspiracy theory going on here. Uh, all mm-hmm. the information is right there in front of us. And what I do want to do is just spend a few minutes on giving some reasons why we don't hold what you know what's commonly called the pericope day adultery, this, this statement of this woman caught in adultery. Uh, and I want to give a long story short at first. You know, John tells us later on in John that many more things have happened, um, but uh, that then are recorded. And we can say from with great confidence from our earliest Greek manuscripts, so God has preserved his word as scripture and as the Christian witness spread out uh, through just a wealth of manuscripts, manuscript evidence. These are uh, Greek manuscripts, there's just a wealth of different, uh, you know, early writings that were given, copies of the scriptures. And in those, there's these things called variants. There's some different readings, perhaps, ascribed. Uh, and just like us, if you write something down, you will you may get a, a little word misspelled here or there. But a couple things that are important to understand is that doesn't change the, the real meaning of the text. And in the sense that most of what we have, it's because we have such a wealth of, of manuscripts. We have a wealth of evidence. Uh, nobody could come along and, and change, uh, you know, everything. They can't get your hands on all the manuscripts there. So this whole science of textual criticism looks back and wants to ask the question, what did the originals say? They call them the autographs. What did they say? Uh, what was written in those? And uh, what we can say with great confidence is, is that this little portion, there, you know, the ending of, of Mark, uh, so Mark chapter 16, the very uh, uh, the very ending of Mark, uh, along with, you know, there's little spots in, in John, actually a couple spots we've already gone over in John chapter 9, 647, but no real major, major uh, locations, with exception of one of those being this text here in John chapter 7, uh, where most would say, most scholars would conclude that this is uh, probably a story that, that may have indeed circulated. It probably was one of those oral tradition stories, uh, but it was not located in this spot. And uh, there's a lot of reasons why that's given. I'll, I'll kind of reference a couple of those. Um, and so let me give you a, just a, a quick overview of, of some of the reasons why this is not, uh, why this is not uh, in, in all likelihood, uh, part of the original writing of, of John. Uh, One of the first reasons is, well, because the earliest manuscripts don't include this. They don't don't have it in there. And to show that this isn't just something that's not some academic component, I have in front of me, when I was in seminary uh, a little over a decade ago, they had uh, what they called the Nesley olland uh, 27th edition at that time. And at the bottom of that is called just a textual apparatus, and Uh, And that just means that they looked, and as they look through the thousands, you know, approaching 6,000 Greek manuscripts at this time, because of all the mass uh, discoveries that have happened in the last 150 or so years, uh, about every, I don't know, five or 10 years, they'll come out with a new edition. So you have a couple of major players in this, the United Bible Societies, the Nesley Island uh, group, and they'll look at look at any new discoveries and they'll look at those ranging from where they were discovered, when they were discovered. Uh, and they'll try to give a grade to, you know, how confident they are and any variants that are given. So part of it is think about how many manuscripts there are. We're talking about, if you were to put them all side by side, over 2 million pages of manuscripts to look at. That's a lot. And in those, any variant that would be found in the uh, 5,700 or 6,000-ish Greek manuscripts that there are, any variation that is there, that would count as a textual variant. Um, And so this text here that we have in John chapter, uh, listed in John chapter 7, verse 53 uh, through 8-11, is not located in in any of the earliest manuscripts. And so even the later manuscripts, most of those, many of those also leave it out. And others record this story. um, So some different ones that are found in a Uh, Family 13, uh, they're located actually in different sections of the Bible. So uh, one puts it after Luke 21, 38, um, another after John 7, 36. So it's kind of like a story that's missing a text. It's missing a location where uh, it was was inserted at different spots. We're talking hundreds of years later. So again, the story, uh, when we read the story, and I'd encourage you this week to read this text... And, and note a couple things. Number one, there's no theology in this text that is not found anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but number two, I'd like for you to read verse 52, and then pick it back up in verse 12, and you can kind of see a natural component of how you can you just reading it. The story is largely kind of breaks up the narrative. It breaks up the story that's already going on with Jesus' ministry in Jerusalem. So I'll, I'll just read that for us. John chapter 7, verse uh, verse 51. Uh, or fifty verse 50, uh, Nicodemus, uh, he who came to him before being one of them, uh, said to them, that's the, the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish leaders, his fellow Jewish leaders, he says, our law does not judge a man unless it's, it first hears from him uh, and knows what he is doing, does it? And they answered him, you are not also from Galilee, are you? Search and see that no prophet arises out of Galilee. And now jump down to verse 12 of chapter 8. Then Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. And, and it continues on. So uh, this is where most would say, and even the grammar in here is a little different than the rest of what we have in the Gospel of John, where we could say with good confidence, you know, this is a, a great story, and it may indeed be something that actually happened. And it sounds very uh, very much like the rest of what we read about Jesus and his interactions, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can say with pretty good confidence this was not in the autographs. Now, with that, let's put a pin in that because if somebody's reading, maybe uh, there's some conspiracy theorists around there. And when I reference the the textual apparatus that was in that that Greek, you don't even have to know Greek to be able to take a couple hours and figure out how a textual apparatus works and where they grade it, where the manuscripts are found, all those types of things. And you can be able to read it uh, to find out if you want to see, okay, this is where this is found. All this is open source information uh, that anybody can pretty well find. But with that being said, without going into too many details, uh, there's some that kind of have a conspiracy theorist type view uh, and would say, you know what, the, the newer translations that are here, newer meaning... Uh, in the last 400 years, uh, since the King James <laughs> version, uh, they would look and say they would compare the King James that may have a story like this or a text from First John or any others, and say, "Look, they the newer translations are taking out this. They're taking from the Bible. They're removing from it." And and, and on Facebook and stuff like that, boy, it's like it's like uh, blood in the waters for a piranha because it sounds really enticing and and really dangerous. Right. But in in reality. Uh, the, the the Greek manuscripts that they were working with uh, at that time, 450 plus years ago, uh, and that Erasmus was working with, they were much later. You know, they were 12th century, and uh, doesn't mean they were bad. But he didn't have the evidence, and the translators didn't have the evidence that they're working with. So before that time, there wasn't a compiled Greek. Uh, uh, translation if you will compiling the different greek manuscripts and that's what we have that's what they produce every 10 or so years is nesley allen 27 nesley allen 28 and i think early 2023 or something like that uh, they're supposed to come out with the 29th edition uh they they did the best with what they had but what they had uh looking at even though it's the king james is you're talking 450 years older than the ESV, for example, that we preach from and have in our pewbacks in our in our congregation. Uh, even though that that King James is 450 years older than the ESV, uh, many of the Greek, uh, much of the Greek that they're working with is actually, in many cases, you know, eight nine hundred years uh, or several hundred years, at the very least, uh, n- newer. Uh, or the ESV is, is working from with. Documents and manuscripts that are much older than what the King James translators actually had, uh, and so that's why we that's why we can say with confidence, yeah, these this story that is in the King James, though beneficial, was probably not a was was not a part of the autographs, uh, and therefore we're not going to preach that text as scripture. Uh, we're going to go on to the next text. We'd encourage people to to read that story if they like, uh, and it's a beneficial. It's a great story, and it and it very likely. It maybe did happen, uh, but we can say with confidence it wasn't a part of the autographs of John. It's not in the earliest uh, uh, manuscripts. It's also not in the earliest lectionaries, the, the church structure by which they... Uh, studied and recorded their services. People aren't commenting on this text like they're commenting on everything else in the Gospel of John. It's because because it, it really wasn't there at this spot. So again, this shouldn't shake our faith at all. Actually, actually, it should do the opposite. It should affirm us because you know the vast majority of these variants, even between a King James and a, and a New American Standard Bible, they don't change. They don't change meanings, and most of them don't deal with uh, any kind of theological issues uh, but our goal is to want to know what is God's what was God's word and and we want to understand it apply it and preach it forth so as a church like ours that prizes being devoted to the word uh and expounding on scripture verse by verse that's why we're picking up this week in verse 12 rather than
0: 753. well it's incredibly helpful I mean I know um you know that would probably raise a question for a lot of people and so to actually take time to address that I think is it's great. So thanks, Brent, for for explaining that for us and helping us to see that, so.
1: Yeah, and you know, a couple of reasons, there's a lot of great resources out there that you can read if this if this interests you at all. Uh, and this is a hard topic to talk through probably just by listening to it. Uh, there's a lot yeah. of great resources. Daniel Wallace at, at, at Dallas Theological Seminary, he is brilliant. His web, so personal website's got a lot of great uh, articles on this uh, as well. But two books I'd recommend, if, if this is something you're like, you know what, I wanna know more about that. Uh, Dr. James White has a book called The King James Only Controversy. Uh, Can You Trust Modern Translations is the full title. It's it's a really helpful, very objective and clear book and talks about uh, getting more kind of into the, the details of this thing called the Texas Receptus and the majority text um, that they're working from. It's a great, very helpful resource and it's, it's written for uh, people to get their hands on without too much background. Another one is called the, uh, this is a newer work, uh, it's called the, An Introduction to the Greek New Testament. Uh, it's produced by Tyndale House. This came out, I don't know, a year or two ago. It really, it's a shorter book, but it gives just a general overview to the process of textual transmission That is, is, is I really recommend. It's a very, very helpful book. Uh, primer on this subject. So those are two resources I would encourage our people, uh, if if this subject really interests them, to, to pick up and, and check out. But God's Word is trustworthy, uh, and boy, it's worth building our life upon.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, church, uh, this Sunday uh, is exciting and interesting and and different for us, but we do encourage you to continue to press in uh, as we have been. You all have been really incredibly faithful uh, through this trying season, Uh, but the Lord has been faithful as well. He always is faithful and good to us. So uh, so we'll see you uh, either online or in person on Sunday, and we're really looking forward to it.